man, I seen, I seen, y'all sound like the way I feel. I went to sleep late last night, about one o'clock, so I'm feeling kind of tired today. And um, it's good to be back. Me and my wife, we uh, celebrated our 10-year anniversary, and we were in Costa Rica. Thank you, thank you. Uh, for those who know our story, it's actual miracle story, how the Lord even kept us together. So for us, it was a huge milestone. I mean, like, like Chris talked about, praying for prayer, praying a prayer that seems impossible. So one of our prayer was that God would restore our marriage through all the brokenness, through all the hurt, through every single thing that God would move. And we saw God move. And we really saw God move. So we celebrated 10-year anniversary. It was good being away, um, just being in the jungle, you know, hearing monkeys in the morning and birds, you know. It was kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. So, uh, but that being said, um, today is a day that the world and the United States, we recognize as being a day that we celebrate for fathers. So I'd like to take this time to ask if you are a father that you'd please stand up. And I want to pray for you. So, it's you, brother. That's just you. <laughs> so, yeah. And me, bro. Los dos. Okay. So, oh, there you go. So what we're going to do is, if you would join with me in prayer and extend your, your hands out to the brothers as we pray for them. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father God, for the life of these men that you've placed in this room today, Father. We ask that in the name of Jesus, Father God, that you would continue to guide them as men of God after your own heart, Lord. That they would seek your name and your kingdom first above all else. That they would deny themselves and sacrificially give themselves to your service for your kingdom, for your name, Jesus. Train them and raise them to be fathers, to be husbands that sacrificially love their wives. Train them, Father God, to be the fathers and the example of that biblical father. We ask these things believing, Father, that you've heard us. For it is your will we be conformed more into the image of your son. Transform these men more into the image of your son every single waking moment of their lives for your glory, for your name, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So, today the world likes to recognize the purpose of Father's Day. It's a day that people recognize as a day of honoring men that are fathers. And so I was given the assignment of preaching on Father's Day. And I didn't know what to preach on. I didn't know what to preach on. I'm like, man, there's going to be moms who are single moms, right, who raise their, their children by themselves. I grew up in a broken home where my dad always worked. So I didn't know what I was going to be preaching on. So I asked the Lord, Lord, guide me as I write this sermon. Guide me to, to, to communicate to my brothers and my sisters who exactly you are. Because I know that a father on earth is a representation, a small representation of what a heavenly father is. See, the earthly father is a father who fails or has failed. That's not there. But our father in heaven is a good, good father who has never left us, who has never forsaken us, who's always been there. And so for me, 
growing up in a broken home, I'm asking God, Father, how do I write to my brothers and sisters? What about their pain? What about their suffering? What about what they've been through? How am I supposed to communicate that to them? So the Lord started reminding me of my past, growing up as a child, growing up in a home where it was broken. And so I go way back in my childhood, way back. My parents, they fled El Salvador during the Civil War. They left every single thing behind. They left their family, their friends, their loved ones. They left every single thing to give us a better future. Every single thing they left behind in fear of dying from the Civil War within the country. Can you imagine being pulled away, running for your life? That's exactly what my parents went through. And my father sacrificially gave physically himself, working hard to provide a better future. See, I saw my dad work seven days a week. And I would remember my dad coming home from work. He would be so tired that he couldn't even take off his own boots from working two jobs. And as a kid growing up, I, remember, I would remember my mom taking off his boots and rubbing his feet. And as I got older, my dad asked me to do the same thing. And as a child, I thought to myself, man, my dad's feet really stink. You know, they really smell bad, you know. But see, the thing is, is that that smell was the smell of hard work, the smell of dedication, the smell of sacrifice. Because he was literally breaking himself in half for us. He was sacrificing his body for us. And so the interesting part about this whole story of my childhood is that my father grew up in a home where he didn't have a father. So he made a promise to himself that he would never, ever not be there for his kids. But exactly what he wanted not to do is exactly what he did. He became a workaholic. Why? Because now he had bills to pay. He had two jobs, so I never saw my father. And as a child, I remember seeing my parents work on the weekends. They would go to the flea market, working Saturday and Sunday, Monday through Friday. And they would just do these things to provide for us. And as a child, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed to be seen by them, to be, to be seen in public with them, I should say, because I was afraid that someone from school would see me at the flea market. But see, later on in life, as I grew up and as we know now, our parents do every single thing they do for us, for a better future. But see, here's the thing. As a child, I didn't understand that. We don't understand how hard our fathers work, how hard our mothers work. We don't understand the sacrifice and the hard work and, and, and just to know that what you go through to provide a better future for your family. See, in that process, as a kid, because I did not know my dad's story, it was hard for me to understand why he was the way he was. How he failed me as a father was that he was never there. He, he was a very angry man. 
My father was a very angry man. When he would get mad, it wouldn't be a second time he would tell us not to do it. He would just respond in physical force. And I couldn't understand why my dad was always so mad. So what it looked like for me was that when we'd get hit, we wouldn't get hit with a belt. We'd get hit with any single item he can grab. If it's PVC piping, a piece of stick, a piece of wood, his own fist. My dad was a very angry man. And I'm not here to make my father look bad. I just want to show you the brokenness of how he was as a man. And because I didn't know his story and his past, I didn't understand why he was so mad. I didn't understand it. And you know what's crazy is that as long as I've known my dad, I've never truly heard the real story of how he was raised. So yesterday we went out to eat for Father's Day, and when we went to eat for Father's Day, we're at this restaurant, and he's sharing the story of how his dad cheated on his mom, and they get divorced. And so in the custom in El Salvador is that the daughter goes with the mom, and the son goes with the father. Well, my dad's dad refused to take him because he'd rather be with the woman that he cheated with. So my dad is left with his mom, with his grandma. He's left with his grandma. And so from the age of two years old to seven years old, she raises him, but then she dies. And so my dad's sharing this story with me of how his broken life, how he had to work in the fields at the age of seven how he had no shoes up until about 14 years old. And my dad, being 64 years old, 65 this year, I've seen my dad lose family members. I've seen my dad bury his mother. I've seen my dad go through a divorce. I've seen my dad through the worst and hardest times of his life, but I've never seen my father cry the way he cried yesterday in a restaurant in front of people. He wept and he sobbed like my five-year-old does when he's in trouble. He cried uncontrollably because something was coming up out of him. He was sharing the brokenness he had in his past. But I never knew that he was passed around like an animal. Nobody wanted him. He went to his own father, and his own father rejected him. His mother beat him when he tried going to his mom. She rejected him. She didn't want nothing to do with him because she took out her anger, her frustration, her hatred from her husband on him. So he got passed around like an animal. He never received love. He didn't know what love was. He didn't know what a father was. He didn't know what being a dad was because he never had one. Most people have a home where there's one parent. He had no parents. He had never had a home. The reason why a family even took him in was so he could work. Are you hearing me? They took him in so he could work in the fields. That's the reason why they took him in. So now I share this story with you so you would understand what I didn't understand at the time. And up until yesterday, I still didn't understand. Was why the way he was the way he was? Why was he so angry? Why didn't he show me love? Why did he never go to my sports games when I played sports? 
How come he never told me how much he loved me? How come he never told me he was proud of me? Why? Because of the broken home he grew up in. And I say this for this reason. Is that we all have fathers who have failed us. Am I right? One way or another, our fathers have failed us in one way or another. So today's sermon, what I want to talk about is forgiving our fathers. I want to talk about how the people in our lives who have hurt us the most, who have been the nearest, the dearest, the closest to our hearts, whom we've let in and they hurt us. How the men in our life, may it be our husbands, the father of our children, how they have hurt us. Because, my brothers and sisters, when we allow unforgiveness to take root in our hearts for those people who offend us, it masters us, it controls us, and we start hating them. And as a side note, it's important that we know that we should forgive those who offend us. And as we forgive those who offend us, especially the fathers in our life and the men in our life, the brothers, the, the, the brothers, the uncles, the cousins, whoever it may be that's hurt you, it's important to forgive them. So knowing my dad's story was important for me to know because now I knew why he was so broken. So this leads me to my first point. If you could please turn with me to Jeremiah 17, 9. Say amen when you're there, family. Amen. <clears throat> this is what the word of the Lord declares. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Why is it important for us to know this passage? It's important to know this passage because we start to see why our fathers and the men in our life, they fail us. Why they're broken why they hurt us, why they fail as being fathers is because of their heart. It's because of their nature. They fail because of their heart. They fail because of their heart. And so the first point is that we're all broken. All of us, every single one in this room. This passage applies to everyone, not just men, but every one of us. We're all born with a deceitful, sick heart. Selfish. Selfish. And here's the thing. Because of our fathers having a broken heart, having that broken view, this is what happens, family. Put this down. What happens is they become our role models. Whether good or bad, our fathers become our role models, right? Like, 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 like if you hated them or loved them, have you ever said to yourself growing up, I will never be like my father. I will never do what he did to me. I will have a different future for my children. And where he failed, 
I'm going to do it differently. Haven't we said that? That I will never be like my father? Right? And then what do we find ourselves doing? Right? We do exactly the same thing we set out that we spoke against that we would never be that way. And we find ourselves doing these things. Maybe not all, but some things. Why is that? It's because our fathers are role models. So we have two views of a father being a role model. A negative view where maybe the father was absent. Like my father, he was rejected by his own father, by his own mother. So he had nobody. So the view he has is a negative view. The view we can have of our fathers is a negative view. The positive view is that both parents are in the home. Both parents are in the home. There's never any love that is needed because all love is given. Both parents raise you, love you, unconditionally, never reject you, always accept you, always there for you. But the problem is, both views are wrong. See, the way my father failed me was because he didn't have a Christ-centered life. He didn't have a biblical view on how to raise his children. Some of the things my dad taught me would be really illegal today and still back then, like how to be a man. He taught me a lot about a lot of things that I cannot say in this room that were really bad. And he failed me in a lot of ways because he didn't have a biblical understanding of who God was. So he couldn't lead as the man that God had called him to lead. He couldn't lead his family. He couldn't lead his wife. He couldn't lead as a husband because he had a wrong view of what a man looked like. See, my hope and prayer today, if you can take something from this, is that number one, the men in this room, that God's called you to take a stand in this generation to lead the next generation of men to show them the way and the way is Christ. And my other aim and attempt today is that the men in your life that have hurt you, that have abandoned you, that have rejected you, that have hurt you, that you would forgive them, that they would hold no dominion over you, nothing over you. You're a daughter, you're a son of the Most High God. What they've done to you cannot compare to what God's already given to you in Christ. Because my father wasn't born again, he couldn't lead. So we grew up in a broken home, a broken view of what God looked like. My dad was agnostic. So what he would make us do is worship and meditate in a dark room. It was, a, it was the strangest thing I've ever experienced as a child. But this points out the brokenness of his heart, the deceitful things in his heart. It's desperately sick. His heart was desperately sick. He didn't know how to be a father because he didn't have a father. So I share this with us, family, so we would know it's important to know the people's lives that have affected us. If it's our father, that we know their past. Maybe they were abused. Maybe they were hurt. And all that's all they ever knew. And people do what they know how to do from what they learn. Am I right? 
And that's what happens. So my second point that I bring is we have to forgive those men in our lives. So today, I ask that you stop right now, whatever is in your mind, and that you would search your heart. That you would search your heart and ask yourself these hard questions. Have you forgiven your father? Have you forgiven your husband that hurt you? Have you forgiven that man in your life that betrayed you? Have you forgiven that son, that brother, that uncle, that cousin, who did what no one knew he did, who hurt you like no one knew how he hurt you? Who comes to mind? Who comes to your mind right now? Think about that. You're called to forgive them. But Howard, you don't know what they've done to me. You don't know the hurt that they put me through. You don't know how they hurt me. They don't deserve forgiveness. They don't deserve to be loved because they're bad people. You're right, I don't know what they've done to you. I don't know. But I know why they did it. Because their heart is deceitful above all things. And it's desperately sick. That's why. It's sick. They're sick people. We're called to forgive them. But they don't deserve forgiveness. You think you do? We came to God with all our filth, all our mess, all our brokenness, and we go to God saying, Lord, forgive me, Lord, of what I've done. But we put ourselves in the seat of God, and we say, no, we will not forgive that person that hurt me. My brothers and sisters, I want you to be relieved. I want you to be set free from the people that have hurt you. I know your pain. God knows your pain. And God doesn't want you to hold on to unforgiveness. You have been set free. The cross of Christ that he bore himself naked, he bore and hung on that cross for your shame, for your brokenness, for your sin, for their sin. Not just for us, but for them, for those who offend us. When the Lord Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, he tells them, what does he tell them? Forgive those who trespass against us. The ones that offend us, forgive them. They don't deserve it. I know they don't, but neither do you. That's grace. Grace has been given to you. God has made a way for you and I to forgive those who offend against us. And our fathers, how we withhold the love because they hurt us, 
the men in our lives, we withhold the love and the hurt they caused us is the reason why we withhold it. So my brothers and sisters, be reminded that the reason why they hurt you is because of their desperately sick heart. But there's hope that God can take that desperately sick heart and redeem that heart and give it a new life, give it a new start. But why do I share that? Because I don't want the enemy, I don't want Satan holding you in a snare, in a trap of believing that you cannot forgive the person that hurt you the most. You think it's coincidence that you're here today? I didn't even know what I was going to write up until about 24 hours ago. So when I put paper to pen or pen to paper, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to guide me what I should write. But when he starts showing me through his word and through my heart and through my story how I've struggled to forgive my father and the men in my life that hurt me, it reminded me that all of us have been hurt. All of us have been affected by the men in our life. If you could please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. I want you to look at a biblical verse that it says exactly what I'm telling you. I just don't want you to hear my word from it. I want you to hear from the declaration of God himself. And this is what the word of the Lord says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. It's important that we have a biblical understanding of what God has called us to do, and that is to forgive those who trespass against us. The cross of Christ shows us the very love of God for broken people like you and I, but it also demonstrates this, and we should never forget this, the very wrath of God. The wrath of God that God himself would need to come down to die on the cross for you and I because only God can bear the very wrath of God. So we forgive one another as a people who have hurt us. And for those who don't know Christ, the ones that may be unbelievers in this room, I say this to you. That unforgiveness in your heart, it's a cancer. It's a cancer in your life. It has mastered you. It has control over you. You know how I know that? Because I've been around long enough and y'all have been around long enough to meet people who have a brother, a dad, a cousin, a friend, a sister, where they got offended by something. And when you ask them what that was, the answer is, I don't remember what it was, but we haven't spoken in 10 years. They do everything to avoid that family member. They won't go to certain parties because they may be there. So that has mastered you, control over you. It's a cancer. And then what you're showing your children, watch this. You become the role models now for them. And you show them 
you withhold love for the people who offend you when God himself has shown you forgiveness. Think about that. So as we learn from our fathers and we see our fathers, how they fail us, how they fail us. So that brings me to my next point. That's not about, like my brother said in the back earlier, Brother Joseph, he said, it's not about being a better person. God's not asking us to be better men. God's not asking us to be better people. If we could be better, we wouldn't need Jesus because our hearts are wicked to believe that, that we don't need Jesus. But we do. In every area of our life, we need him. We need him to transform our hearts. That's why the gospel is important that we believe because a man can never transform himself. A, a person, that, that means man or woman, no one can ever change himself unless the gospel of Jesus Christ is moving and alive in their life, changing them. It's impossible. You can go through the motions of going to church. You can go through the motions of reading your Bible. You can go through the motions of doing every single religious work and act, but we see that Jesus speaks out against the Pharisees who were doing just that. It's not about what we do. It's, what, it's about what Christ has done for us already in Jesus. It's about how Jesus lived that perfect life for you and I. We always say, but it's so true. Because the gospel tells us that us broken people, you and I, we could never do it on our own, but through the power of the gospel, believing this promise that Jesus came into the world to save sinners like you and I. That though we deserve wrath, though we deserve judgment, he freely gives us love, redemption. He becomes our father. Where our father failed, he becomes our father. He becomes the father we never had. So what it's about, it's about believing the gospel. That God declares you to be a new creation in Christ. That if any man, any person, any one of us in this room, anyone, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, that we're a new creation. So the reason why I say this and how it ties into forgiving our fathers is that if you have a father who's hurt you, who's offended you, your heart's prayer should be, Lord God, change his heart. If that man has offended you, Lord God, change their heart. Change my heart to forgive them. The change comes from the Holy Spirit doing the work, how we're able to forgive how we're able to love. You can't forgive just to forgive, family. I've met people that tell me, yeah, I've forgiven, but their life says something else. They don't. They withhold love. They have anger. They have hatred. 
And you see how it controls them, how it holds over their life. When a man is born again, when a woman is born again, when the Holy Spirit lives in a person, the fruit of the Spirit is evident. Love, peace, joy, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. We're able now to love those who offended us. Part of the forgiving of our fathers is that we would ask the Lord to change our hearts. We would ask the Lord to start within us first. By simply believing by faith that God has forgiven us already. He's opened the door. He's made the way for you and I. But believing by faith that we can go through that door that he's already made. So we can have a relationship with God. So we can have a relationship with our Father. So I say this, family. Today, grace has been extended to you. Grace has been extended to you through the sacrificial life of Jesus Christ. He forgave you of all your sin, of all your iniquity, of all your filth, Every single one of that, those sins that you've committed that nobody knows about in the dark, in secret, he's forgiven those. And guess what? He did it for you while you were lost, while you were broken. So as that same grace has been given to you and that promise is there for you to believe and grab hold of, Extend the same mercy and grace to the men in your life, the father that's hurt you, the husband that's hurt you, the, grand, the grandpa, the brother, the brother in Christ, or just any man in your life that's ever hurt you. Though they don't deserve forgiveness, neither did you. You're not above anybody else. We've all been purchased with the same blood of Christ. So family, as you searched your heart today, asking the Lord to search your heart, I challenge you, don't let it stop here. Don't let it stop here. When you leave today, when you go home today, let not this be the only place that you ask God. God is anywhere and everywhere. And he loves you. He's, he cares about you. He's never left you nor forsake you. My father was rejected by his father. My father was rejected by his mother. But the word of God declares, though your mother, though your father reject you, I, the Lord, will never forsake you. So the Lord never forsakes us. So when you go home today and you ask the Lord to show you how you, beginning with your heart, that if he would forgive you and you repent and you ask him to work in your heart, when he does that, you'll be set free because he does a new work. He does a new change in your life. But he is everywhere and he's never left you. He knows your pain and he knows your hurt. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, family, as we close out.
Gracious Father, we thank you, Lord, that today, Lord God, you've revealed to us, Lord, how we withhold forgiveness, how we don't forgive those who offended us, Father God, how the men in our life, though they've caused us pain, they've abused us, they've hurt us, they've abandoned us. Lord, you never abandoned us, Lord. And you forgave us of every single thing we did because of the work of Jesus. We didn't deserve your love. We didn't deserve your forgiveness. But before the foundations of this world were created, you loved us, Lord. Not by anything that we've done, but because you chose to do so because of your infinite love. As you've forgiven us, Lord God, let our heart forgive those who offend us. Let us not withhold love. Teach us to forgive those who trespass against us. As we see the cross, we trespass against you. And our sin were the nails that drove through the innocent hands of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our sin is what drove him to the cross. And his love is what kept him up there. The promise that he would redeem us, the promise that he would fix the broken relationship, that we did not have. That he would make all things new. Teach us to forgive as you've forgiven us. And in the heart that today may not know you, Lord, remind them of this promise. That you are just and faithful to forgive any unrighteousness and all unrighteousness if we confess it. Remind that heart today, Lord, that they can come freely. And the invitation of forgiveness of sins is given freely, graciously. Work in the hearts of the brothers and sisters and the people here this day, Father. We thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen.